Welcome to Tote the Note, where we talk all things buy here, pay here. Join fundamentalist and cash flow guru, Jim Rhodes, in informative discussions with industry experts, thought leaders, and seasoned operators covering the latest industry news, hottest trends, and best practices in automotive self-financing. All of this and more, right here, right now. Here is your host, Jim Rhodes. I'm pleased to have with us today, Jeff Clark, and I'm your host, Jim Rhodes with the Octane Group. Jeff is somebody that I've known for about four years, I think, Jeff, when you and I first met, and uh, I've had occasion to uh, I know a good deal about what happens at his business, and I've shared with him that uh, he's going to be the one to talk specifics today. If we talk specifics, I can share with our listeners in particular that among the reasons I reached out to Jeff to... Uh, include him, as I know that a lot of dealers, especially those that are new to the business, need to hear from folks like Jeff, because here's a guy who came out of banking and chose to be in the buy here, pay here business. So we're going to spend a minute talking about that. And then we're going to talk about kind of his experience, because I can say about Jeff's operation that I can't think of one, Jeff, that I've ever seen that's more consistent in its results and more efficient. You guys just really run very consistent in your performance, uh, your volume of sales, Collection efficiency runs very consistent. So I just think, uh, you know, people should kind of pay attention to what Jeff can share about his experience and what he brings from business and from banking into the buy here, pay your business. So Jeff, let's just start with that. Tell me about your banking background and kind of how that led you into buy here, pay here. Sure. Jim, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, so I'm a 25-year commercial banking uh, person. Started with uh, NCMB and Humacall. Worked my way up through the ranks of commercial banking, uh, went all the way through a couple of their mergers. And in 96, I uh, met a fella and we started our own uh, community bank called Southern Community Bank and Trust and ran it until we sold it in 2012. And it was a nice community bank that um, grew from eight employees in one branch to little over 400 employees in a $2 billion commercial bank serving about nine counties in North Carolina. And uh, we serve small business. And the small business is really all we've done. You know, my, my strength is lending. Uh, I like to lend money. I like to go out and see all the different kind of businesses there are. And uh, that's just what was fun. So when we sold the bank, we had dipped our toe into the buy here, pay here business about 10 years before that. We opened our own subsidiary. And uh, we bought paper. We bought paper from buy here, pay here uh, individuals, had a good team running that for us. And we love the margins. The margins in this business are much different than uh, the ones in the banking world. So we put a little more capital and a little more risk and, and enjoyed that. So uh, when I uh, exited the banking world in 2012, we started Hometown Auto and Credit. Uh, decided to, because of Ingram Walters, a good friend of mine, he was very involved in the buy here, pay here world. He helped walk me through that with uh, a couple other good people and, and got me started. So I'm, I'm definitely not a car guy. I'm a different. I'm a banker that came at it from a different angle. I'm more on the money margin side than I am the car side. And this is year eight and I'm still learning the cars. That's for sure. Uh, I get it. Listen, I, uh, I stepped into the car business in 95 and I still don't think of myself as a car guy. So I fell into the finance side of it and I've been here ever since. So I get that part. So let's talk a little bit about like what your experience has been now that you're in buy here, payer, like some likes and dislikes, maybe some challenges. 
Yeah, well, you know, the number one challenge of getting in this business is capital. You know, you never have enough money, especially when you're getting started. I thought I knew that getting into it, but as you're when you're growing and you're just growing like crazy, I was doubling my business every year for six years. Um, it just takes a ton of capital, so that was really hard. And but the only reason I survived it was my banking background allowed me to have uh, the resources of people and knowledge that could help me get the funding and, and help keep me going. So that was that was a big surprise. You know, buying cars is a lot harder than than you think. That's challenging and. Uh, Managing the portfolio on the collection side is just gets more important every year and doing that right, finding the right team to do that and then keeping the cars running. You know, uh, the real most important thing in this business is to keep the people on the books, keep them paying and, uh, you know, keep them happy. Uh, And that's that's tough. That's a tough part of the business. It really is. So you guys must adopt some sort of approach or philosophy that you bring to the collection side of what you do to help keep customers on the books. Can you share some of what you've adopted that way? Yeah. You know, my ACV is a low ACV, you know, it's, uh, it's under $5,000. So that's on the lower end of the scale. And because of that, uh, friends of mine say, Jeff, your cars are long in the tooth (laughs) and to get them to go 36 months, you're going to have to really work. So we have a much larger uh, service shop than, than normal. We sell a car and it has a problem. Uh, We bend over backwards to keep it running and to keep it going because, you know, the simple philosophy is if it needs to be fixed uh, and they can't afford it, we need to help them afford it, find a way to, you know, put a side loan in place if we have to, because if not, it's going to be a repo and we're going to have to fix it anyway. So let's try to keep the customer in the car, not not lose an account over, you know, a $500, $1,000 bill if it's within reason. So we work I, real hard to keep them in the car. I, uh, I watched you say that, and, and it rolled off your tongue easily, but I don't think you know, uh, from my perspective in the industry, how hard that concept is to grasp for a lot of people. They just never get introduced to that, and they don't recognize the benefit that can be had by supporting the customer afterwards through whatever that side notes or whatever program they put in place. You're right. If you choose not to support it, you're going to end up with a lot of cards on your back row, right? So. Yeah, you really are. And, and we, we didn't start our reinsurance company with the warranty and vehicle service contract until, I guess, year five. So we're in year three of that. And that's been even a, a better boost for us. You know, now we've got a much more straightforward approach to helping those customers with we, us managing the warranty and managing the claims. We can be a lot more flexible and really help the customers and, you know, ultimately keep them in the car. Sure. Good. Yeah, I can just say that, uh, you know, Jeff's results and what we call collection efficiency, and we don't have time to go in to explain how that math works. But, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, they collect very, very well, consistently getting the money in the bank. And that doesn't mean you don't experience some charge-offs, but your the portfolio that's live, right, is, is active and is performing. And so that means you don't, you don't carry a lot of dead contracts, you know, so that means uh, you collect well on the portfolio that is active and healthy. The criticism that I get from my 20 group is that I probably charge off a little fast. We work hard and and we just don't let customers get very far behind. But our philosophy is that we're going to do everything possible to keep them in that account. And if we do that, then they need to do their part and make their payment. And if they make their payment, they'll be so surprised at how well we'll take care of them. But if we can't come to a resolution, we move quick and uh, we don't carry many dead accounts at all. Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah. You can't afford to. You don't want to. You don't want uh, your asset list to uh, be polluted or diluted and, 
and give you a false right. sense of the health of your business. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Can we talk about marketing? Because I know your business, you guys are also very consistent. One thing, you're very consistent in your ACV. You mentioned the numbers, but you know, you don't deviate much from that. Your model is your model and you pretty much stay in that lane in terms of the type of car you carry and where you price it, et cetera, right? No, I was just going to say on the marketing side then, how do you keep your volume so consistent? Like, can you give us a sense for where any ad spend that you have, like what's a pie chart look like? A certain amount going to social media, a certain amount into TV. How do you kind of split that up? So from day one, I've had the philosophy to try a little bit of everything and trying to figure out what works the best. And what worked eight years ago is different today. Eight years ago, um, the magazines were big, you know, the magazines that are in all the restaurants right. and the convenience mm-hmm. stores. And we got out of those magazines during COVID. And I can tell you, we got back in them six months ago and oh. it, we, it's, we need to stay in them. We're in them a lot less, but we're, we're in them. But 100% our, our is all driven on social media. And we've gone through about six companies that say they can really understand and help help you. But we're with a new group now that has um, really, really proven to me that if you find somebody that understands buy here, pay here, not just auto, find understands buy here, pay here, they understand who our customer is and they can get those dials set up just right, which I can't do in Facebook and Craigslist and all of the hotspots out there. It really helps. So, but we, you know, we're not perfect. Now we have our ups and downs. Uh, we had a great month last month. This month has been terribly slow. So we're turning the dials, seeing what's going right, see what's going wrong. And uh, we're just, I try a little bit of everything. Sure. So can you give me a sense? This is the kind of thing we ask for clients and we ask out there on social media from time to time. Can you give me a sense of the percentage of customers that visit your lot and buy on any given month? What percentage are shopping for financing and what percentage are shopping for a car? I'd say 80% are shopping for financing. 20 coming to you for a car. Yeah. Yeah. They're coming yeah, to you for credit and financing. Coming to me for credit and financing because, you know, we're, we're the lender of last resort. Um, these people, unfortunately, just don't have the credit to go anywhere else. And they know that by the time they come to us, they're just like, what can you do to help me get a car so I can take care of my family, take my kids to school, keep my job, get a better job. And those are our best customers. You know, they're not coming to us because they want a car. They're coming to us because they have to have a car and need a car. Yeah. And that's an important thing to, to think about because I know that's true. And that also rolled off your tongue pretty easily. But it's like, that's another thing that we find that people that are new to this business have a hard time grasping. And sometimes they, they sort of appeal to the wrong market. And uh, certainly we see that we work with dealers who are coming out of the franchise space rather than independent space. And obviously when they're used to, you know, having cars and inventory and talking about V6s and leather and that kind of thing, it's hard for them to make that paradigm shift into buy here, pay here. So go ahead, right. take a minute, do that. Sorry there about that. <laughs> no, it's all right. It, it's the nature of uh, technology these days, right? So, right, right. Yeah. So anyway, no, I think uh, that's good. That helps, I think, for you know our viewers. We're always trying to help people who are new to the business to get a better sense of what it means to be in the buy here, pay your business. And I think more, more than that, we're trying to help them understand what it really means to support this customer that they're setting out to serve because we want people to understand you know, the business they're getting into and to be able to... Uh, to recognize what it's going to take to really support that customer throughout that experience. Yeah, it really is. One of the surprising things is we sell 80 to 100 cars a month on average. We pull 300 credit bureaus a month and we get 600 leads. So 
it's amazing that there's 600 people out there that want to buy or need to buy a car. There's 300 that we go all the way to pull credit on and we only get to sell 100. So it shows you that there is a deep, dark, big bucket of people that this industry really needs to serve. There's an opportunity there. So we're working all the time to try to figure out how to widen our net a little bit while still being able to maintain um, you know, our credit quality. That's good. One of the things that you would have perspective on coming out of banking, and I didn't plan to talk about this, but one of the things my, my wife, Michelle, and I have been working on through the Octane Group is helping dealers to really think about, and we're incorporating a lot of our training, a lot of conversation around ethics and philosophy. And that's because what we see is that you know a lot of people are nervous about compliance. And I'm not an attorney. I only kind of have an overview of what's happening on the compliance field out there. But from my observation, it's only those cust- or those dealers out there that are mistreating customers that probably have much to worry about from a, a compliance standpoint. Those dealers like you that are out there supporting folks and helping customers and trying to be a solution, compliance folks are probably not going to have any problem with what we're doing. We still got to cross our T's. But the reality is if we're out there trying to help customers and be a good solution and be an asset to our community, then we're probably not going to have compliance people knocking on our door. I agree with you 100%. We all work hard every day to do the right thing. And, you know, if you do that, then hopefully we'll be in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really true. So can you share with me kind of what your perspective is? Having been, you, you said you started your dealership what year? January 1st of 13. Of 13. So I know that, um, you know, with all your banking background before that, exposure to subprime automotive, and now your time as a buy here, pay your dealer, what's your perspective on the buy here, pay your space overall? This, this kind of segment of unconventional financing, we'll call it. What do you feel like that is going to shape up to look like in the coming decades? I think in the next 10 years, this, unfortunately, the uh, amount of people in America that are going to need buy here, pay here is not going to dwindle. It's going to, yeah. it's actually going to grow. The cost of cars is through the roof. You know, that, that, you know, everything's more expensive. Financing is going to be harder and harder. Well, you know, the business is good today and interest rates are as low as they've ever been. You know, the average interest rate uh, for the last 70 years is about 8%, primes at 8%. So we are so far below that. So that when the interest rates kick up another two or three points in the next, you know, five years, whenever that's going to happen, it's just going to make it even that much harder uh, for the average person to get a conventional loan. So I think that uh, we're here to serve customers for a long time. There's going to be great opportunities there. Nothing's better than for us to bring a customer in have them pay us perfect for three years and then be able to go and get a conventional loan for their next car. I mean, that's a win. Sure. That's fantastic. And, you know, we call those our hometown heroes and, nice. you know, them, which is great. Excellent. So I'm guessing you also, though, have a fair number of customers that have been on the books with you for most of your time in business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have we have one gentleman. He's We're only eight years old. And he's on his ninth car with us. Which is <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, and he's paid, paid us great. He's fantastic. And multiple cars, you know, people get used to coming where they're, where they've been treated well. And hopefully we're doing that with a lot of customers. And when they come back, it's great. Oh, I can tell that you are. I'm going to guess he's referred some folks to your direction as well. Yeah, he sure <laughs> has. He sure yeah. has. We, I picked up a referral program from a friend of mine at another dealership that if you give us nine referrals on your ninth referral, I give you your car for free, no matter where the balance is. Yeah. And I have a guy that's actually, uh, he's up to seven. So he's getting ready to get Ooh, a free wow. car. How about really? that? Yeah, I love it. He's out looking for folks right now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's great. 
So I, uh, I wanted to add my perspective on the, uh, the thought about the outlook for the industry. You know, I've been asked uh, over the years to write, you know, or kind of give my, my own outlook on buy here, pay here. And my answer is really boring. Like I just tell them, my sense is that our business is going to stay the same. And what I mean by that is that I don't see the need for unconventional financing going anywhere. I think folks are going to need that help. And the reason I say it's the same is even if the stock market changes and interest rates change, economy takes a big swing, the reality for you and me in the buy here, pay here space is we're already kind of funding all the customers we can afford to fund, right? And so, you know, for the most part, the dealers are out there looking for capital. And, and the exception, obviously, with the really big groups out there that are operating on really cheap source capital, their spread and things could change for them. But for dealers like you and folks I work with out there in smaller communities, they're already funding all the business that they can afford to fund or taking all the risks they can afford to take. And so I think, you know, my experience is it's just probably not going to change much. You know? No, I agree. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see I'm not, much. I'm not worried about it, you know, going away or shrinking. There's plenty of business for everybody to go around. Yeah. I said, you know, mode of transportation may change. We may be financing, you know, some sort of airborne vehicles or it may be Shetland ponies. You know, I don't know which direction yeah. it's going to go. I just know that people are still going to have a need and there's still going to be a, you know, some credit uh, challenges out there. And so I think our space is, is really just probably going to remain about the same as far as I can tell, but sure. it sounds like you share that perspective, but, but yeah, this is great stuff, Jeff. I appreciate you making time to talk. I think, uh, like I said, Jeff's an example of those kind of dealers that we like to see out there who are treating customers right and enjoying the benefit of that. He's built a really nice, big, healthy business. And I didn't ask you about growth. What's your outlook about growth? Are you feeling like you want to grow? You're going to stay in your lane? Where are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I'm I, I'm really where I want to be. Really, just maintaining the portfolio um, is really where I'd like to stay. I'd like to grow a little. I'm where I want to be, and I'd like to grow just a little bit. Um, but I tell you, it's hard just to keep the portfolio flat these days. Um, it's it's yeah. just tough, you know. That portfolio that's one of the surprising things. It really starts turning as you shorten the term, which is great because it generates a lot of cash, which is which is sure. all that's great. But you know, I'm going to grow slow. I'll grow slow. I won't grow a whole lot in the next couple of years. Sure. I appreciate you making time to talk today. I'm probably going to invite you back another time because I think you and I could do a whole separate episode just on the finance details, interest rates, how to arrive at term, all those kind of things. I think you and I could talk about that at some length. So uh, we'll ask our viewers to tune in another time for that episode. But in the meantime, thanks again for joining us. And you folks follow us over on uh, social media, Facebook, and YouTube, find uh, the Octane Group. And that's where you can also keep up with the episodes for Tote the Note. So thanks again, Jeff. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jim. You bet. See ya. That's all for this episode of Tote the Note, your partner in growing your BHPH business in the most significant way. After listening to these BHPH tips and tricks, it's now time to leave a rating, subscribe to the show, and share it with your friends. Visit octane.group forward slash podcasts for more information. Thanks for listening, and until next time.